Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for all that you've done today. God, for every person that's here, for every life and family that's represented this morning. God, we come before you today understanding and knowing that none of us are worthy to stand before your presence. God, that none of us are worthy of your grace and of your attention. But Lord, you love us anyway. Your grace is more than enough. God, you've shown your love in so many ways. And we're thankful that we're able to be here today and uh, to praise you and to thank you for all that you've done. God, I pray that your presence will be made known this morning as we look into your word, as we consider you and who you are, what you've done for us. God, I know that even as I stand with your word today, that there is no power in what I have to say. But God, that your word is where power is, and your spirit and his work in the life is what changes the hearts of those that will hear this message. God, I pray that you would empower it, that your spirit would have freedom to work in our hearts, that you would remove distractions. God, help our our whole hearts and minds be focused on you today. We're so thankful for Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. What we're going to learn about him this morning, we ask it all in his name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 5. and We're talking about the Word this morning. You'll see what I mean as we read these verses, but we're in John chapter 1. And we're going to begin by reading verses 1 through 5. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Let's bow once again to the word word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this text that we've read. I pray again for your blessings on the message. Speak through me, give me the words to say. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we look at verses 1 through 5 of John chapter 1. Uh, we can start out by saying that late in life, uh, the Apostle John was led by the Holy Spirit to write a book about the life of Jesus. And really, that's, that's what this book is about. The whole book's about Jesus, but uh, the Gospel of John is about uh, the life and the works and the ministry of Christ. Um, by this time, the other three Gospels that we have had already been written. And uh, John was an elderly man. Uh, This was around 90-something A.D. that he wrote this. So that gives you kind of an idea of how long it's been since Christ uh, had died and resurrected. And and, uh, so we can look back and we can look at the book of Matthew. Matthew had written his gospel to prove that Jesus was the King and and the Messiah. And he began his book out uh, with the genealogy of of Jesus, talking about how uh, he was the descendant of Abraham and the descendant of David. And then the the birth of the King is, is where Matthew... Matthew begins, and his whole presentation of Jesus is to, to lift him high and, and, uh, and to show that he is the King and the Messiah uh, 
of not only the Jewish people, but of the world. Uh, Mark had written his gospel to show that Jesus was the servant who came to give his life as a ransom for ours. And then Luke, of course, wrote to present the humanity of Jesus. And over and over we see him uh, talking about just the, the, the human side of Christ and his healing and uh, his expressions and all those different things we find in the book of Luke. Well, now it was John's turn and the Spirit inspired him to, to present Christ in a completely different way. Now, that's not to say that John didn't present Christ as uh, the King of Kings. It's not to say that John didn't present Christ as the servant or or didn't even talk about his humanity. But primarily, the the purpose of John's book and John's gospel was to present Jesus as not only the Son of Man, but as the Son of God. And for us to see that Jesus is more than a man. He was more than a carpenter, more than a prophet, more than just a good teacher. He was, in every meaning of the word, the Son of God. And that's the entire book of John shows us that he is the son of the living God. Now, John was not to begin his gospel with Jesus' ministry as Mark did. Uh, He wasn't beginning at the manger as Luke and, and, uh, and Matthew had. But to present his case, John would have to venture back through the annals of time all the way back to the beginning. And from there... John begins to describe Jesus in four ways. And so we're going to start this morning in the same place John did. We're going to go back and we're going to start at the beginning. That's a good place to start, isn't it? At the beginning. Now look with me in John chapter 1 and verse 1. If you'll notice the first three words, it says, in the beginning. We're going to talk about four ways that Jesus is presented here from the beginning. In the beginning, notice this, number one, he was the word. In the beginning was the word, verse one, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We're going to look at these verses uh, just for a second. Let's also read verse two. It says, the same was in the beginning with God. Now, as we look at at John presenting Jesus as the Word, uh, there's a couple of explanations for why John would use this this word, the word word, that kind kind of becomes a tongue twister there, but why he would use word, or as we know, as, as many of us that have been in church for a while, we know that the Greek word there is logos, and we've heard that, that word many, many times, and Jesus referenced to as the logos. If you have it, then you've heard that now, and so uh, he is called the word, or he's called the logos, and I want us to look at a couple different reasons why that might be. Number one, logos in Greek thought was more than just a word. We use a lot of words, don't we? Uh, we, we use a lot of words during the day. Some of us use more words than others, but uh, we all use words. And uh, But in Greek thought, this logos was more than just a word that would be spoken. Uh, it, it speaks of meaning and it speaks of purpose or reason. And some philosophers viewed the logos as that which brings order to the cosmos or order to the universe. And so in Greek thought, when they would talk about the logos and philosophy and different places, when they would speak of the logos, uh, many of them would, would just commonly understand that we're talking about order. We're talking about, we're, we're talking about reason and, and what brings purpose and meaning into the entire universe. And, and with that thought in mind, we can look here in John chapter 1 and it says, in the beginning was the logos, the word, all the way in the beginning. Now, another thought on this, we have the Jewish philosopher Philo, uh, who thought that logos helped to express how God created and governs 
the universe. We all know, we'll look at this here in just a second, but we all, all know that in Genesis chapter 1, it says that God created the heavens and the earth. And how did he create the heavens and the earth? It says that he spoke. God said, a word proceeded from his mouth, and all things came into existence. And so this, this philosopher Philo uh, had already been teaching and talking about how the Logos was the means by which God had brought all things into existence. And he had some other things to say that we wouldn't agree with, but there, there's an interesting concept right there that it was the very Word of God, the Logos of God, that brought creation into being. And so we look at the very same verse and it says, in the beginning was the Word. There were several thoughts floating around at that time, both in religion and philosophy, uh, that were already uh, floating around about what the Logos was. And, and this word Logos, and it had no connection to Jesus whatsoever. We're just talking about that at that time, at the time that John wrote, there was already a lot of buzz going around about the Logos and what it was and what it meant and how everything came into being. And so drawing from their terminology, John revealed that the Logos that orders the universe is not just a word. It's not just a concept. He's a person. The word is a person. It's somebody, not something. It's not just an idea, but a living being. The word. I find it interesting that the author of Hebrews, who also wrote before the Gospel of John, the author of Hebrews had already painted a beautiful picture of the truth that John was sharing. If you'll read with me here in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I hope everybody can see this. If not, then just listen along. But it says, God, who at sundry time and in diverse manners, or different times, different ways, he spake in times past to the fathers by the prophets. It says, he has in these last days spoken to us by who? His Son. Whom he has appointed heir of all things, notice this, by whom he also made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, and look at this, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now I want to draw two things here, I've highlighted these. Number one, it talks about his son, that he has he's spoken in a lot of different ways in the past. He says, but here recently he has spoken to us by who? The word. His son. All right? And who is his son? His son is the express image of his person. The word express there, uh, we, we talk about that word, it means an exact copy or representation. I'm not a big history buff. I, I don't study a lot of history unless it's just associated with the Bible or whatever my studies are in it. But one person that, that I've always just kind of been... Uh, I've kind of looked up to, I guess, just as a leader and, and as a just an individual was Abraham Lincoln. And I've done some reading on the life of Abraham Lincoln. And there are times as I am reading through some of the different accounts, some of the things that he would say, that, that guy could tell a story like nobody else. I mean, he, he was just, just a fascinating character. And it, there's lots of different descriptions of what he looked like. And, you know, he was tall and slender. And, and uh, you know, just, just we get all these different descriptions of who Abraham Lincoln was and what he looked like. Usually when we think of Abraham Lincoln, we've got the top hat and the, and the beard, you know, without a mustache. 
I thought about doing that one time, but I was afraid Nikki would slap me. But uh, anyway, that's usually what we draw from. And here's the thing. We could create a mental picture in our mind of what Abraham looked like. But the truth is, is we don't have to. Now, Brother Hall, you're, you're kind of old. Did you ever, had you ever seen Abraham Lincoln in person? No, no we don't have anybody here that old, have we? So nobody here has ever seen I, anytime I tell an old joke, I, I pick on Brother Hall, so I'm sorry. He's my old guy. But, uh, and he's not even the oldest person in this room, but I just like picking on him. But here's the thing. No, none of us have ever seen Abraham Lincoln, right? We don't, we don't have any movies with him in it or, or anything. We've never seen him. But here's what happened. Well, during Abraham Lincoln's life, there was a person who wanted to make a, um, a cast of his face. And so he went in and he put his face into a mold. And what happened is, as a result of this artwork that was being done, we have a preserved image. Actually, we have a few of them. A preserved image of the face of Abraham Lincoln. Now, none of us have seen Abraham Lincoln, but we have an exact replica, an exact copy of his face that can be looked at. And it has been said that anyone who wants to do a, a supreme job at sculpturing or painting the face of Abraham Lincoln, they don't go off of what they heard. They, they go to that exact copy or representation of what he looked like. Here's what I want you to understand about Jesus Christ. What this verse is telling us is that if you want to know the person of God... If you want to know who God is, what God would be like, the way that God would live, the way that God would view matters, or the way that God would treat people. If you want to see God in human form, all you got to do is look at his son, Jesus Christ, because he is the expressed image of his person. He is an exact replica in human form of the God of heaven. In the beginning was the word. We're going to talk more about all that that verse has to say here in just a second. But I I think it's so important for us to understand what it means that he is uh, the word of God. That he is the expressed image of his person. In the very same way as we talk about here, John called Jesus the word who perfectly communicated the mind of God to the hearts of men. We could jump ahead to verse 14. Where it says, the Word was made flesh. Now the Word had been from the beginning. But the Word was made flesh in verse verse 14. And it says, and He dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is who? The only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. You want to know who God is? You want to see the Father? Jesus said, if you've seen me... You've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. I want to look at three things revealed to us about the Word or the Logos then. And we begin again with verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, I want us to pick out one of the words there. Don't get confused between Word and Word, okay? But we'll be saying that a lot. But anyway, in verse 1 it says, in the beginning was the Word. Let's look at was. Uh, the word was there doesn't refer to a beginning. It's not talking about when the word came into existence, but it's saying if you go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back in the beginning, it says the word 
was. It's not talking about a beginning of the word. It's talking about a pre-existence of the word at the point of beginning. So that when you go all the way back to the very start of everything that is, the word already was. He existed before creation, before the beginning. He is eternal, the eternal logos, the eternal word of God. Now, some of us like to believe that the universe began on the day that we were born. Right? And, and there's been a lot of times I've talked to my kids and, you know, they think they're getting old. And, and I'll, I'll tell them something that's happened. And they'll say, well, I don't remember that. It couldn't have happened. I don't remember that. You know, and that hasn't happened in my lifetime. You know, I don't, I don't believe that that actually happened. And I, was, and I have to tell them, you know, I was around a, long, a lot longer than you have been. You know, I was here before you were, you know. And so there are things that have happened that haven't happened in your lifetime. And, uh, and the, the truth is, is, we all think that the whole world uh, started spinning around and it came into being the day that we were born. But the more that we understand about life and the more we understand about time and the more we understand about ourselves, we, we come to the startling realization that the world doesn't actually revolve around us. It's hard to get sometimes, but it's the truth. So back before you were, he was. Back before Adam became, he was. He is eternal in his existence. I can say of myself that on the day that I was born, my father already was. He existed before me. And so we find here in this verse that before the beginning came, the word already was. Before the earth existed, the word was. Before time began, the word was. He has eternally existed from the beginning. Now, not only do we see his eternal existence, not only was he there, but he was with God. We find that as we continue reading. It says, in the beginning was the word. Look at the next phrase. And the word was with God. The word was with him in the beginning. He says, go all the way back to the beginning before anything existed. And when you look back before anything was, you're going to see God. All right. Now, draw that that picture in your mind. Go all the way back to the beginning. You see God. Now look right beside him, and there's the word. He was with God in the beginning. From the beginning, the word has been with God. And just in case that wasn't clear, let's look at the rest of verse 1. Not only was he in the beginning, not only was he with God, but let's read what it says. It says, and the word was God. I want you to understand that the word, the logos that John is presenting here has not only eternally existed with God, he has eternally existed as God. The word is equally God with the Father and the Spirit. If you look down at verse 2, he emphasizes this. He says, the same, the word, the same person we're talking about, the same one was in the beginning with God. Many have a hard time believing that Jesus is God. We want to minimize who He was and who He is. And you can go around and do a questionnaire all over the world, and you can't escape the fact that Jesus existed. You can't escape the historical records that we have of His life. But people don't want to believe that He is who John says He is here. 
We're okay with him being a prophet. We're okay with him being a good man. But John says, no, he was much more than that. He was the word who was in the beginning with God and who was God. He was God in the flesh, in human form. Often people are alarmed. Maybe they, maybe they don't debate it, but when they hear that Jesus is God, they, they say, well, I thought that he was God's son. Now, how can he be God if he's God's son? That's a, that's a strange question. I mean, it is, it's a good question. Yet even the term son of God, understand this, even the term son of God was understood back then as a claim of equality with God. Now, I want you to look with me at John 5 and verse 18. Uh, Jesus had said something, and it says the Jews therefore sought the more to kill him. They wanted to kill him even more because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but he said that God was his father. Now, why would that make them mad? Because by saying that God was his father, it says it was making himself equal with God. Now, I say all the time that I'm a child of God. And I say that God is my heavenly father, but to make the claim that I am the son of God and he is my father, that's to make a bold claim. Because it's putting me more as just a a mere man who has an adopted relationship with the heavenly father. It puts me as the perfect, complete son of God. And when he said those words, they knew exactly what he was claiming. And they wanted to kill him because by saying that he was the son of God, that God was his father, he made himself equal with God. The book of Philippians tells us that he didn't rob anything of God by making such a claim. But I want you to see this morning that not only was Jesus the word, the expressed image of the father, but we find as we continue reading that he was the word, but he was also the maker. Of all things. Look at verse 3. It says, all things were made by who? Him, the Word. All things were made by Him, the Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. The Word, Jesus, not only existed with God before the creation, He was the Word that created everything. Now, this is an interesting concept, and we we need to try to wrap our minds around this, but if you go back to Genesis 1 and verse 3, uh, 1 and 3, it says, in verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, how did he do that? How did he create? Well, in verse 3, it says, God said, let there be light. The very word that was spoken of God was the creator, the one that that brought all things into existence. Now, just in case this isn't clear, let's read Hebrews 1 and 2 again. It says, He has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, who is the appointed the heir of all things, but look at this, by whom He also made the worlds. Jesus is not just before creation. Jesus was not just with God and not just God. But he was the very word that brought all things into existence. When you go back to the beginning, you've got a mastermind, that's the father. And you've got the creator, that's the son. That's the word. Colossians 1, 15 and 17, talking about Jesus says, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Look at this, for by him were all things created. 
What are all things? It says things that are in heaven, things that are in earth, things that are visible, invisible, whether the thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him, and look at this, and for him. You know, you weren't just created by Jesus. You were created for Jesus. And it says that he is before all things. In the beginning was the word. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. They have their being. The word was the maker of everything. And as verse 3 tells us, nothing was made apart from his creative work. He's the maker. Not only is he the word, not only is he the maker, but we find in verse 4 that he is the life. Look at verse 4. It says, in him. In who? The maker. In the word. In Jesus was life And the life was the light of men. Let's look at this word life for just a second. It says, in him was life. He wasn't just in the beginning. He's not just the maker of everything. But the very life, the very being of all created things consists in the word. In him. The word is life. All life exists from the word who existed with God... And who him himself, who he himself birthed creation. I want you to understand this morning, Jesus is more than the source of all life. He is life. Physical and eternal. All life is made available by him. John 5 and verse 39 says, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. He said, but they're the ones that testify of me. You go search those, you search the scriptures. You search the word of God where you think you get life from. He said, the more you read, the more you study, the more that that God illuminates your mind, you're going to find out that all they ever did was point right back to me. He told Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Not only is he the life, but we find at the end of verse 4, as we read on in verse 5, that he is the light. It says in verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now I want you to get this. It says, the word who existed with God, who created the world, who holds life in his hands, did not keep the way to God a secret from us. But the very word who was who has seen the Father, who was with the Father, who is the resurrection and the life, that same word became the light that will reveal truth and redeem mankind. Listen, here's, here's the universal truth. Jesus is the creator of all things. All life does consist in Him. He was in the beginning with God. He is, he is God. But I want you to understand that sin... The problem of sin and the separation that sin has caused between God and man is also real. And it's also seen in these verses as we begin talking about darkness and and the need for light. Why is there darkness? There's darkness because there was sin. People were separated from God because of their sin. And so we find here that the very word that made all things, 
The very word, the very hands that came and scooped up the dirt that formed Adam and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, that same one, it says, he also came down and became light to men. He showed the way back to the Father after sin had separated us. John, years after the ministry of Christ, looked back and summarized Jesus' life and worked this way. He said of Jesus, he said, the light, Jesus is the light. He said, the light entered our world of darkness. But those in darkness would not receive him. Look at verse 5. It says, and the light shines in darkness, shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended, that word means received. The darkness received it not. What does that mean? It means Christ came and the world rejected Christ. What did Jesus come for? But to show truth and love and life, how to get back to a relationship with God. And it says the world rejected it. The world received him not. I think of it like this. Uh, I think of literal light. And it says the light shined in darkness. The darkness, the darkness comprehended or received it not. Every morning uh, around 7 o'clock, if I wake up on time, around 7 o'clock, I, uh, I will go and, and uh, I'll, I'll wake the kids up. And I'm kind of a mean father because I don't just say, honey, get up. I come in and I flick the lights on. You know? and, uh, and that room that was once just completely filled with darkness is now illuminated by the light that's turned on. And the funniest one to watch is Kylie Ann Phillips. Because when I come in and I flick the light on for her, she doesn't just pop out of bed and say, okay, you know, I'm ready to go. But her whole face scrunches up and her eyes start closing and she pulls the covers back over her head. And, and what does she do? The, the light is there to illuminate and, and, and bring in the morning. And here she is. She's covering up her face and she wants to go back into the darkness. It says here that the light, Jesus Christ, it came to earth. It came to be among people. He shined his light into a world of darkness, but the world shielded their face from him. The world just pulled the covers back over and says, we don't want the light. We'd rather just live in darkness. You know, the great thing about the word, and the great thing about Jesus, is that he knew that would be the response of so many but it came anyway. Jesus came to bring life. He came to bring light and love. And the truth is that the world still hates Him for it. The world still shields their eyes from the light of Christ when the gospel is presented. But let me tell you, although that is the reaction of most of the world, it doesn't have to be the reaction of anyone. And many of us here 
were in the very same darkness that the rest of the world is in right now. We were in that very darkness. We had no idea uh, what our lives were like. We had no idea what we had done to God and, and what our sin had done, how it had separated us and what our eternal future was. We, we had no idea about those things. We were just living life. We were just caught up in sin and, and in the very nature that we had been given at birth. And, and there we were just living in darkness and contented to be so. But then someone, someone came and brought the gospel. And when they brought the gospel, it shined a light on us and on our sin. It gave truth about who we were and who God is. About what we had done and what He did for us. So many of us here today, maybe we shielded for a second. But then we, we turned and we received we trusted Christ. We welcomed the light and the truth and the life that He came to bring us. And I want you to know that's a choice that He has given to every individual today. And maybe for so long, maybe for so long, you've been shielding yourself from the light. You've been saying, I don't want that. I don't want to listen to that. Stop talking to me about that. You get angry or you run away or you fight against it. But I want you to know today, if that's you, salvation is available to you right now through Jesus Christ. And as He shines the light of His truth in your heart, don't turn your face away. Don't reject what He's saying to your heart this morning. I want to share just a couple of other things with you, just, just very quickly. You see, while the world continues to scoff at Jesus, and it does, the invitation to know Him and to find eternal life is still available to you today. You see, towards the end of His Gospel, John said, we've looked at the beginning of His Gospel, let's look at the end, in John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31, he's beginning to close out the book on the life of Jesus. It says, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these things are written. I put these here for this purpose, that you might believe. You can't do anything about what others are going to do, but you can make a choice that you might believe what? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. I want you to know this morning that there is salvation and no other. There is no other name in this world that you can call upon and find eternal life and salvation but at the name of Jesus. When you hear the truth of the gospel, what Christ has done, that He went to a cross and paid for your sins, the Creator of all came and became a man to live and to die on the cross for your sin. He rose again the third day, not just so that He could live again, but so that you could have eternal life. Throughout the book of John, we find the simple truth stated over and over. Eternal life is given only through faith in the Son of God. I want to give you two more examples. 
John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now why did He give His only begotten Son? That whoever will believe in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The life was the light. He came to shining darkness, came to bring life. So that we could see the only way that has been provided for sinful men to get back to a holy God. The last verse I want to share with you, John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Religion can't do it. I'm sure you're a good person, but your good works can't do it. Jesus can. That's what He came here for. And if you'll receive Him this morning, if you'll trust Him today, He'll give you eternal life.